Hey, everybody, do you do shopping online? Well, do us a favor and go to d2rpn.com and click our Amazon banner and help out the network. It's going to cost you nothing extra. We get a percentage back from everything that you buy. And uh, you know what? That would be a win, win, win. It's a win for you, win for the network, and a win for Amazon. Um, great prices, uh, everyday savings, and uh, you get what you want, and you're helping us out. So this is kind of like donating, but you get something out of it. It's great. Um, so go do it, d2rpn.com. Uh, there's banners everywhere on the website. Thanks for your support. Undercover in the world's deepest, darkest, most secure, Hadron Collider and nuclear bomb tested and approved doomsday bunker. Here is Ryan the Area Man. Hey, Dave. Hello, Ryan. Let's just jump right into this shit. I love jumping in the deep end. All right. No floaties. No floaties. Let's try and swim. Yeah. So, uh,. Twitter at Real Matt Couch posts a uh, posted a video and a tweet basically saying Joe Rogan drops massive truth bombs in the Seth Rich murder investigation. Those of you that don't know who Seth Rich is, Google it. He's the uh, guy that worked for the DNC that uh, was robbed or was allegedly. Uh, allegedly robbed in a botched robbery where nothing was stolen, but yet he somehow ended up dead. He's also alleged to be the one that uh, leaked all those emails to WikiLeaks yep. that fucked up uh, the election for Hillary Clinton, yeah. supposedly. Yep. Anyways, uh, Joe Rogan. Now, I think it's only like four minutes long, this little video, but he says it better than anybody's ever said it. And, and I just think it gets right to the point. So uh, let's, just fucking, let's just fucking get into it. Yeah, three minutes forty-seven seconds. Are you ready, Dave? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a guy who is a real Bernie Sanders supporter, open Bernie Sanders supporter who worked for the DNC. The DNC absolutely rigged the primary against Bernie Sanders. He was aware of this. He was there while this was all going down. So was Donna Brazil. Everyone was aware of it. The guy got fucking murdered after he leaked information to WikiLeaks. If you don't think that's a little weird, what are you looking at? What 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 delusional rose-colored glasses are you looking at your party from? Do you think you're in some Julia Roberts movie from 1990? This is real shit. Some guy got killed. He was 24 years old. He was a young guy who was v- very optimistic and had this view of the world 
where he, I mean, the guy fucking wore American flag pants and shirt. There's a famous picture of him with a beer on. He's a patriot in a lot of ways. He wanted to be involved in the political process. He was very idealistic. His, his, he was probably shattered by finding out that the party that he was working for was corrupting the democratic process. And because I've said this before, you know, I've been accused of helping Donald Trump win by really wacky people online, like by pointing out all the flaws of Hillary Clinton. Like, look, man, you can't ignore that shit because you want one side to win. I've talked about all of his flaws, too. There's a lot of flawed human beings that run for president, pretty much all of them. I mean, it's very rare you have someone who's not flawed. Right. Extremely flawed. We're all flawed. But extremely flawed who wants to be the fucking king of the world. It's very rare. Listen, man, I'm not a fucking reputable person. In That's what I try to, to like, tell my people. political ideologies. I mean, I'm just not. I'm, I'm not that well-read when it comes to politics. I have my opinions on things. But when it comes to things that are rock solid and clear, like that Seth Rich was murdered and people want to ignore it, I'm like, what the fuck do you think happened? There has to be some sort of a disconnect here. When a person is giving information to WikiLeaks that exposes corruption inside the very organization that's responsible for the fucking Democratic Party, and he gets murdered, and you're like, oh, the conspiracy theories. No, he got murdered. There's no conspiracy. It was a botched robbery. Says who? Says who? Where's his? How come his wallet was there? How come his watch was there? How come they didn't take his phone? What the fuck are you talking about that I'm a conspiracy theorist when I just tell you the facts? So and this, this WikiLeaks thing with Julian Assange is the craziest shit ever when he said there's consequences to sharing information with us. And everybody's like, he works for Russia now. He works for Russia. So he isn't was that, the darling of the left when Obama was in office. So isn't that amazing? It, that's so, so Julian Assange, he's just a great news guy with who's tough as nails. Who <laughs> dances creepy and might have fucked some girl while she was asleep. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he can't leave. That, he's stuck in the Ecuadorian that, embassy By the way, that, that case was so fucked. So fucked. So fucked. He, he's been so fucked. And it's because the CIA wants him so bad. And they yeah. control him. Everybody and now they're trying. They, they have influence over Ecuador, and they're trying yeah. to fuck. They're trying to get a Halliburton guy to be their new. Anyway, they might just blow up that place. I, oh, that, the gas no, no doubt of right. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if shit like that. happened. more stuff comes out, like the Seth Rich stuff, the amount of people, and I, this is where I leak any conspiracy. The amount of people connected to Hillary Clinton organization, to the Clinton Foundation, to Bill Clinton, the amount of people that have been iced is stunning. But then Some of them are bullshit and coincidental, and you know people, and they're in a weird job, and people get killed. There's a lot of people that have been killed. But a lot. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, we need more. I, I, now, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan, but I'm also kind of not a fan of him. See, I, I never really liked him. Um, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's, there's time. Like, this is one of those things where, like, he hits it. Like, he doesn't... I love the point he makes there. If you don't believe that Seth Rich was murdered, it was a botched robbery, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, yeah. he couldn't have said it any better. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people that don't see it like that? Like, it was a murder. But, based on but, everything that happened before that. But the news and Snopes says it's all murder. It, it, no, it wasn't a murder. It's such a crock of shit, though. You know uh, dude, I, mean? I like, agree, man. And then, and then, like, the whole thing, like, right what he said towards the end there with the, uh, how the CIA wants to get, uh, Assange so bad and all that and, and they'll just blow the place up and, oh, it's a gas leak. You know, that, that shit does not happen. I'm sorry. All that shit's done intentionally. Mm-hmm. I, 
It's, I don't know, it, it's fucking... Someone will hijack then, a plane and blow it up in the, the building. How can people see shit in such a weird, obscure way? And I guess they could say the same shit about us, but... They do it because they put their head in their sand and they don't listen. They don't care. Like, case in point, the other day, I love Joy to Death. Don't Why get me wrong. Be that fucked up, though? We were at the bar for having dinner and it came on something about immigrants or something getting separated from their parents. Oh, yeah. She doesn't know anything about it. That's all she saw. She's like, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I'm really following it. Okay. Well, what's going on? I don't know. They're just separating their kids. Well, why? I don't know. Who's doing it? But she's really interested in it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then you're not really following it if you don't know anything about it. Just because you saw what it said on the news doesn't mean shit, babe. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Right. And she's like, well, we're in a bar and they don't have, it's not on the teleprompter. I can't read it and I can't hear it. I just saw like the, the scrolling of what the title of the news article was. So she was. feels bad for the people that are getting separated? She doesn't know why, but yeah, she, she wants to know what's going on. She wants to know more. And that's it. And that's the kind of people we have. They see just what the fucking title yeah. says and they believe it. Yeah. Seth murdered or Seth Rich murdered. Oh my God, guy, yeah. or robbery. Guy got robbed and he got killed. That's such a shame. Guy shouldn't have been walking there with all this stuff. What? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not what happened. Minus the, the, the part where, like, nothing got stolen. Yeah. But it was a robbery. Yeah. Where, how in the fuck do you come to that conclusion? And then people that just, exactly what you said, see it on the news, and, well, that's what it is, because no. why would CNN lie to us? I don't know, because they're funded by a fucking uh, people that are trying to tell you a narrative because mm-hmm. it's all for political and financial yeah. gain. I got, Jesus, an, I got an argument Christ. with my dad about it the other day. He sent me a text, a, a newspaper clipping, which I thought was from the internet, but he actually took the picture of the newspaper where it said some boa constructor ate a woman. Uh-huh. And I'm like, eh, that's fucking bullshit. And he's like, no, it's a real story. I'm like, oh, sure it is, Dad. Did you get off the internet? No, I just got off the... And then he said, oh, well, then uh, the Register Star and Chicago Tribunes are printing fake news then because I just write it on their newspaper. I'm like, well, they could be. I don't fucking... Like, how often does that happen? I'm so programmed now to not believe anything I see because I don't fucking believe anything I see. Yeah. I did hear about this. I don't... Yeah, but that's the thing. I, just because it's on there, I don't... I, I, I don't know if i believe any of it until you know what i mean like right. you really have to question everything yeah. anyways uh going with uh your thing with the whole immigration mm-hmm. and the children getting separated and all yeah, that what's that all about you know about it i know so, you you so care and you listen when people like uh, these people that are coming to the country illegally and mm-hmm. they get like snatched up they uh i don't give a fuck as much about this whole immigration thing because i think it's all bullshit like Right. Here's the thing. For me, it's black and white. You come to this country illegally, then we snatch you up. If if you get separated from your your fa- other family members, your kids, whatever, it's your own fucking fault. You're doing something illegal. Right, right. And shit happens. Uh, but I don't know. So I haven't really followed it, but the piece that I want to touch on is uh, everybody's in a fucking tizzy about, oh, Trump's so... Uh, you know his immigration thing and all this shit. It's he's just so bad and and you know all this shit. And all these people are fucking. Uh, most of these people that are in a tizzy were were worshipped their Lord and Savior Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna go ahead and play this video for you then. Um, you know because all these people worship Barack Obama. 
and they hate Trump's policy on immigration. So, uh, let's see here. Is it going to play the immigrants. We're also a nation of laws. Undocumented workers broke our immigration laws, and I believe that they must be held accountable, especially those who may be dangerous. But today, our immigration system is broken, and everybody knows it. There are actions I have the legal authority to take as president. Tonight, announcing those actions. We'll build on our progress at the border with additional resources for our law enforcement personnel. If you're a criminal, you'll be deported. If you plan to enter the U.S. illegally, your chances of getting caught and sent back just went up. We expect people who live in this country to play by the rules. We expect that those who cut the line will not be unfairly rewarded. The actions I'm taking are not only lawful, they're the kinds of actions taken by every single Republican president and every single Democratic president for the past half century. I have one answer. Pass a bill. So that's everything that Trump is saying, too. But Trump can't say that. Only yeah. Obama can say it. So literally, they have the exact same fucking ideology on immigration. But Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. It's, it's, it's all about Trump bad. Yeah, Trump it's, bad. Uh, oh, Trump bad. Obama wins. Obama's right. Okay, well, Obama, this is a fucking speech that he said when he was president. And it's literally the exact same thing Trump is doing. So basically, Obama said it but never did it. Trump's doing it. So that's a fucking problem. Well, see, because he's doing it and never said it. He should have said it. First. Well, he said it, though. <laughs> no, it, this is, it's a fucking... Yeah. I'm sorry, but you Democrats out there that that are hardcore democrat because you just have to be a democrat because you're a democrat and everything trump does is bad you're a fucking idiot i'm sorry yep. you are because they literally said the exact same thing and you're shitting your pants over what trump's doing but he's doing what obama said he was going, going to, do, to do yeah and now it's an issue but it wasn't an issue when obama said it so then all these people are getting separated or whatever and it's Trump's fault because uh, these these people that are being held, they're being held in in cages or whatever, and children are separated, and the children are being held in cages and all this shit, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's an, here's another video during the Obama administration, um, and and this is in 2014. Family separations and holding centers were exactly the same. We need to do more to provide border security in so southern Mexico. They should be sent back now. Well, they should be sent back as soon as it can be determined who responsible adults and their families are. But we have to send a clear message. Just because your child gets across the border, that doesn't mean the child gets to stay. Well, that, that just came from Hillary Clinton. Interesting. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced that we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we will make no progress. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong, and we have to change it. We all agree on the need to better secure the border and to punish employers who choose to hire illegal immigrants. Uh, you know, we are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally 
and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law. People who enter the United States without... Hang on a second. Did Obama just say that? Yeah. That's interesting. Because that's all the same shit that uh, Trump's saying right now. It was okay then. That was actually before he was elected president, Obama. That was when he was still a fucking senator. Interesting, right? Yeah. We elected him because of what he was saying back then. Trump's saying it now. Oh, Trump bad. Trump bad. Trump bad. Trump bad. Illegal aliens and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. President Obama, uh, U.S. senators and congressional representatives from the great state of Wisconsin, we're calling you to stand with these families who are being unjustly separated and make this a priority. Obama, these families who are being unjustly separated. Obama, these families who are being unjustly separated. interesting this is set on screen if you import the third world you become the third world yeah that's what we're fucking doing mm-hmm. so that's the video footage that unfortunately the listeners couldn't see um but it was from 2014 showing that under obama family separations and holding centers were exactly the same the media said absolutely nothing then but are ramping up the propaganda now because the midterms are fast approaching that so is exactly that Yep. So, tell your wife, my wife, to not give a fuck about the immigration because it's all bullshit unless she wants to actually look into it and tell her not to look in mainstream media to investigate this whole right. immigration thing because it's all bullshit. Yeah, because I do remember her saying something about Trump, too, now I think about it. Oh, yeah. Trump, Trump bad, Trump bad. Trump bad, Trump bad. so fucking ridiculous, dude. Um, so, let's... Uh, what else you got for us? Let's get into some other stuff here. Yeah, let's, um, let's look at look, look. Don't don't just read anything. I want to make sure we're hitting the right thing. I like boys. Why did you tweet that? Uh, oh, I wasn't supposed to read. I that actually one, retweeted that from your Twitter. Oh yeah, I do see the retweet. Okay. <laughs> then it says, like the question is no, no, don't don't try and turn this around. Uh, all right, here's this one. So you remember uh, Nexium Allison Mack and yeah. all her thing. Yeah. Allison Mack says branding the Nexium sex lives was her idea. Really? So, without reading the article, do you believe that, or do you think she's covering for? I think she's taking some of his heat. Yeah, that's what I think too. She's got to be, and uh, I'm sure which he, is it's not her idea either, because she is so sucked in then that she's willing to take heat, which is going to give her bigger sentence. Yep. Just to protect him. Yeah. That's insane. Unless it was actually her idea, at which point she ought to be saying, oh, no, it was all his fucking idea. It was all his idea, which would actually save her ass. So the fact that either she's being totally honest, which I don't buy. I don't buy it being her idea. But is it, is it because we're looking at her and thinking, oh, she's just a, a little blonde hometown No, I'm girl. going like, off of that video of him saying those trigger words where you could see yeah. her getting fucking just yeah. she's brainwashed. brainwashed, man. Big time, dude. So... And I know they're not supposed weird? to have contact, but I'm sure either they do still have contact or he's got other cronies that can do the same thing as him. And they're telling, he's telling him, get her to say that it was her idea, no matter what you got to do. So he'll go, they'll go have a little sit down talk again, like they normally would do. Yeah. And this time it's this other guy, not the normal guy. That's crazy, right? Yeah, there's no way, dude. So she's claiming it's her fucking idea. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I would think that's just it's going to hurt her case. I mean, yeah. why would her attorneys allow that to even come out? You know what I mean? Like that's bad. Yeah, I don't know. I, you went from maybe five years to probably fifteen now. Yeah, at least. Yeah, if not longer, and it's only going to get worse. Like, I don't know. I'm curious. So we're going to keep following that. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Las Vegas uh, massacre. This is always a fun little topic. Yes? Yes, I love that. Shocking new details surface expo- exposing Las Vegas uh, Metro Police Department's October 1st helicopter sniper mission. Bombshell. It appears that some of the details surrounding the October 1st police helicopter sniper mission may have been omitted and or changed from police narratives on purpose to hide the truth about what really happened that night. Interesting. Las Vegas MP officer helicopter pilot Brian Woolard and Henderson Acting Tactical Flight Officer Jay Oberding were reportedly at the hangar facility on the night of October 1st and were operating LVMPD's MD-500 helicopter under the call sign Air 5. When they received a call from a Lieutenant K. Delzer who ordered the two eager officers to respond to an active shooter incident at Route 91 venue, according to an officer's report, filed with the department four days after the massacre. So, uh... See the little report there, Dave. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, however, Officer Woolard's account appears to stray from fact when he states in the report that while en route, they, both Officer Woolard and Oberding, were able to somehow determine that shots were coming from an elevated position on the east side of Mandalay Bay. Nonetheless, based on the chopper's approach, the pilot's forward visibility from the cockpit and actual flight records obtained by IntelliHub, Woolward, what is it? What's his fucking name? Woolard's. They misspelled it there. Yeah. Uh, Woolard's statement can not possibly be true. Regardless, the bottom line is the Air 5 did not arrive within the vicinity of the Luxor until 10.25 p.m., as flight records indicate. That's a full 10 minutes after the shooting had stopped. This fact was made evident in an October 2017 report titled, Flight Records Indicate LVMPD helicopters transponder went dark after picking up mercenaries armed with M239 saw-like machine guns on the night of the massacre. And there's picture of the, you know, the uh, what is it, the flight radar thing. Yeah. Uh, thing continues. But the real truth of the matter is, whichever way you slice it, Air Five did not arrive at Mandalay Bay and start conducting a full sweep of the hotel's strategic vantage points until. 10.34 p.m., which the pilot seemed to have omitted from his report altogether, along with other corroborating timeline details. And if that's not enough, in yet another contradiction of reality, Officer Willard claimed, claims Air 5 flew directly to Mandalay Bay on its approach to the scene, which actually never happened. As a matter of fact, radar records from the night of the shooting clearly indicate that Air 5 actually headed directly to the Luxor's north and east sides after leaving the hangar, where the chopper proceeded to search around for 10 full minutes before the chopper began to conduct... Uh, the reported search of the MGM-owned property. So, timeline, 10.34 p.m. When Air 5 arrived at Mandalay Bay to conduct a search for potential active shooter threats, Officer Willard quickly identified the foundation room balcony as being a rather solid vantage point for a shooter and even the upper and lower roof. Additionally, the officer's report indicates that police on the night of the massacre suspected shooters may have re- uh, retreated or fell back to McCarran International Airport after police had received reports of multiple subjects on runway 19, which prompted Air 5 to head that way in an attempt to size up the situation. However, upon Air 5's arrival, 
Uh, two officers quickly discovered that there were no shooters on the runway and that people had merely ran onto the airfield out of fear after escaping the venue. Skipping forward, after the situation at McCarran Airport was found to be a non-threat, Pilot Willard and his tactical flight officer decided to return to Mandalay Bay where they reportedly made a few close passes of the east side of the North Tower where the two broken windows were located. During their two brief passes, the officers were not able to see into the holes due to, the, due to glare but were able to notice a dark room that had no lights on inside of it and dark curtains which were blocking a good amount of the opening. Uh, the helicopter sniper team that was reportedly tasked with stop... Okay, uh, around 1040... Officer Willard received a call from LVMPD Lieutenant K. Delzer, who ordered Air 5 to land at the Harley-Davidson parking lot where a temporary landing zone was able, or was being established so that uh, two company snipers could be transferred into the aircraft in a valiant effort to, to engage and stop any threats related to the shooting. As IntelliHub outlined in the piece titled, Two Helicopter Snipers Were Deployed on the Night of October 1st, Massacre Police Records Show. On the ground, Officer Oberding was tasked with exiting the aircraft to run load calculations to see what the chopper could handle as two snipers and their gear were about to be loaded aboard, which could really test the aircraft's load capacity, making for a dangerous flight. Once the load calculations were complete and the mission was green-lighted, the two snipers was loaded aboard Air 5. After departing from the makeshift LZ with the two snipers aboard, Air 5 returned to the rooms which had broken windows and made several more passes, but still nothing could be seen because the lights were off, or so the story goes. About 30 minutes later, around 11.15 p.m., Air 5 received several calls of an active shooter at New York, New York, and Tropicana Hotels. First time Tropicana has been named. Yeah. Remember how I kept saying, something's going on at Tropicana, but yet nothing ever about it. Uh, we immediately diverted to the New York, New York, and began looking for any signs of a shooter, the pilot explained. Uh, the chopper then reportedly made one more pass by the broken windows at Mandalay Bay before it w- was decided the two snipers were to be dropped off on a giant man-made berm just east of Las Vegas Boulevard. After the two snipers disembarked, the aircraft Air 5 landed back over at the temporary l- landing zone for their redeployment on foot. Notice, no more mention of Tropicana. They didn't even fucking go look at Tropicana. Right. It was... Right. For some reason, Tropicana is being ignored, so I still think there's something fishy about Tropicana. Yeah. Because it's the only one that is being ignored altogether. Uh, I don't know. So that was in. Now there's something else. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about with Vegas. Well, there's this. The. Uh, LVMPD officers were instructed to turn off their body cameras on the night of the October 1st massacre. Interesting. Yeah. Um, hang on. Why would they need to do that? Well, you know, just in case. Um, hang on. Oh. Uh, in one of the new Las Vegas shooting 911 calls that was released, um, it's revealed that security from Mandalay Bay called 911 and while on the phone, they confirmed they had a second active shooter on the crystal level, which is the 62nd floor. Um, what's interesting is, have you seen any of these transcripts from the 911 calls? Not in a while. Well, they just got released, like, recently. Like, oh, then maybe I didn't. I thought we did look at them before. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't I don't think we did. I think, I think we... Uh, we were going down a list of 
the no, like it the was reports, the, but these are the actual it transcripts. It was the cab, the cab ladies. We've, yeah. we've seen hers and had, you know, somebody. Put this the text is the up there. actual nine one one transcripts from that night. And uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of these to you. So, 30 phone calls to 911 that Sheriff Joseph Lombardo doesn't want you to hear from the night of October 1st. Okay. So, I'll just uh, read this a little bit here. And Telehub okay. Editor-in-Chief Shepard Ambellis tediously went through 518 different 911 calls from the night of the October 1st massacre in which the online sleuth located a cornucopia of information which further points paints a picture of how Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Sheriff Joseph Lombardo lied to the general public about events which occurred on the night of the shooting. However, it's also important to point out that Sheriff did not lie by choice, but rather lied due to the fact that the Department of Homeland Security deemed the terror attack a matter of national security just one day after the shooting, which is why FBI Special Agent Aaron Rouse was subsequently assigned to Lombardo as his handler. The following calls to 911 took place between the hours of 10 p.m. and 11.59 p.m. on October 1st, 2017, and absolutely eviscerate LVMPD's narrative of a single lone wolf shooter. You can read over 250 other detailed reports on the Las Vegas shooting here. 10.16 p.m. When a 911 operator asked the caller if she saw the shooter, the woman who was inside the Route 91 venue at the time replied, I think we saw the guy flying in a helicopter. You guys need officers in the sky because he's flying in a helicopter. Keep in mind, the LVMPD helicopter did not show up anywhere near the vicinity until 10.25 p.m. You can learn more about the helicopter here, or helicopters here. So at 10.16, we have a someone calling on one saying that somebody's shooting from a helicopter. Right. But yet the LVMPD helicopter with the article we just read, mm-hmm. they didn't show up until 10.25. This was nine minutes later. Right. Okay. 10.33 p.m., a LVMPD 911 call operator who was taking real-time caller info in the background can be heard saying, we have three shooters on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay. Three shooters? Have you heard of the, uh... No. The part about the, um... There being three women in that room with, uh, dude? No, no. Oh, we'll have to cover that. Yeah. That has a lot to do with that statement right there. Um... So remind me, in case okay. I forget. 10.38 p.m., 911 operator. Quote, there was a shooter at the Route 91, and all that we know is that the suspects are still outstanding, and there were three of them. Okay. Now, you, here's the thing. On this site, you can you can actually listen to every single one of these, right. these 911 right. calls, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, also, 10.38 p.m., caller inside Hooters Hotel Room, number 340. Quote, they are saying there's a shooter in the lobby of the casino. Okay. Uh, 10.41 p.m. A man who got a call from one of his employees saying that she was trapped in an airport hangar relayed the information to an operator. Okay, she's in a hangar at an airport, and she said that she's seen people get shot there where she is. She said that she's at an airport, and they broke into and ducked into a hangar. She thinks it's a hangar, it's hangar number six, and said there was shooting going on where she is, the man explained. Mm-hmm. Okay. 10.45 p.m. These are just little excerpt transcripts right, right. from these calls. Um, 10.45 p.m. Two Middle Eastern gentlemen with backpacks and a bulletproof vest walking c- calmly into the hotel while everybody is running the other way. And they got people who were uh, shot in the restaurant in front of it. I think that's some of the shooters. It's behind the Hooters. It's America's best value. It's a little motel, a man told 911. 
Now, remember when we were looking at these maps mm-hmm. and shit? Pine Hooters, there was that parking lot with that yeah. interesting little trailer. Yeah. And then that little hotel's right there, too. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. I thought there was a Motel 6, but same thing. Well. Doesn't matter. I think, I don't know, we can look again, but they're all, like, right there. That right. whole little area just off the strip there. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a lot of, uh, they saw that guy in all this tactical year go into the a trailer. Remember? Right, yep. And yep. I bet you it's the same shit, because they backpacks will vest, walking calmly. I don't know. It's interesting. All right. Uh, 10.48 p.m. Off-duty Orange County Sheriff calls 911 to report first floor parking MGM suspicious people. I don't know. They were on their phones. Middle Eastern, first floor MGM parking lot. They were surrounding a vehicle. It was just a weird look. Okay. 10.54 p.m. 911 operator. As far as we know, there are three suspects. 11 p.m. There is more than one shooter. I want you to know there is more than one. There's multiple. Stop telling the news that there is only one shooter. There is multiple shooters and they are out there. That's a quote from a woman who is being adamant. Uh, the woman was at the MGM Grand. So she actually called 911 and said, stop telling the news that there's yeah. only one shooter. Because right. that's bullshit. Right. That's fucking interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, 11.10, Las Vegas monorail control tells 911 operator, we have two passengers that are on the monorail platform who have gunshot wounds to their leg. Okay. Uh, 11.10 p.m. Caller tells 911 operator, We are stuck in the New York, New York. We don't know if it's safe to leave. We saw bodies on the floor in the Zumanity Theater. 11.12 p.m. Caller tells 911 operator, Yes, Metro, this is a reference to your active shooter. My niece is saying there's an active shooter now inside the Tropicana. Second time it's been noticed, mentioned today. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11.31. Caller tells 911 operator, We are in the Bellagio and we heard gunshots and we don't know what to do. Maybe like five to ten minutes ago, a bunch of people ran from outside the casino inside. 9 operator. These shooters are still outstanding, i.e. the shooters are still on the loose. And that was at 11.31. Mm-hmm. That's quite a bit later than yeah. all the rest of this shit. Uh, also 11.31. Caller to 9 operator. The shooter was in front of Planet Hollywood. Now, that's quite a bit down the strip. Yeah, it is. Man, like... Close to, like, Bellagio and shit. That's where Planet Hollywood is. 11.32 p.m. A woman staying on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay in room 32327 on the 300 wing reports hearing the fire alarm and seeing a lot of smoke. 32nd floor. Mm-hmm. Same as a uh, dude. Uh, 11.32 p.m. A woman reports to 911 that there was a shooter inside the Paris casino and that multiple shots were fired. Now we're at Paris. I think I heard five to six shots. Boom, 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 boom. The woman explained to the operator. So, within a few minutes here, we've got Bellagio, Planet Hollywood. Tropicana and Paris. Paris, yeah. 11.32 p.m. A hotel guest staying on the 21st floor at Mandalay Bay told the 911 operator that he heard what sounded like an explosion around 11.30 p.m. just before glass fell down past his exterior hotel room window. So, when the fuck did the windows get broken out? About... 11.30? Yeah, an hour after everything happened. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, that, that's it's impossible, because if you were shooting at 10 o'clock from that fucking room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah. the glass wasn't broken out until later, uh, it seems fishy. But remember, the uh, video from the uh, SWAT team that went into the room. Oh, yeah. No broken no windows. Big, yeah. 
So, basically, what we're getting here is that after they breached the room and there was no broken windows, now the cover-up begins. Mm-hmm. Break the windows. we got to break the window. we got to make it look like this is what... You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. 11th, at least we're starting to get, I think, a better picture of what went on. Yeah. 11.33 p.m. Metro. We are getting reports of an active shooter at the Venetian. Now, a minute later, we're still moving right down the fucking strip. See? In the in this picture here, we got playing Hollywood. Now we're up to the Venetian. So we've moved up the strip, headed towards yeah. downtown. Yep. And each like every single minute, there's like the next hotel gets shot up. So all those reports of all of these things getting shot up down the fucking strip, all these calls like people wouldn't just be calling to like fuck with nine one one. Right. You know what I mean? At least you wouldn't think so. No, and that's, that's, that's illegal. Well, that doesn't mean you're not doing it, but what would be the point? Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I heard about this shooting uh, six blocks down the strip. I want to be part of this, so I'm just going to call it around. What are the odds that as each minute passes, these fake shooting reports happen at each hotel as they go? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. No. Somebody was driving past those things and shooting them up. Mm-hmm. To distract from the other, from the actual Route 91 shooting. Right. That's how I see it. Anyway, 1130 p.m. Woman who called 911 told the operator that her sister was in the food court at the Excalibur when a gunman came in and opened fire. Now, we've not heard the Excalibur no, not being yet. shot up at all until 1133. Now, that doesn't say what time that happened, but that's when the call came in. I don't know. Uh, if you remember, that one report where those people were sitting at, uh, I think they were sitting at, yeah, no, they were sitting in, there was it Excalibur where they saw uh, a uh, security guard being chased by security guards. Oh yeah, it was Excalibur running yeah. through yeah. Excalibur into New York or towards New York, New yeah. York. Maybe that's the guy. I don't know. Interesting. So you got to rem- try and remember all this shit that we've talked about in the past. Right. So it all kind of starts to make sense, maybe. 11.33 p.m., caller tells 911 operator, there's an active shooting at the Paris Casino. We heard the shots maybe 30 to 45 seconds ago. The caller maintained that he continued to hear gunshots while on the phone with 911. Okay. So that's at Paris. 11.33 p.m., 911 operator taking report. The shooter was at the Chandelier Bar in the Cosmo. Cosmopolitan, and we have another one down in the Valley of the Bellagio. Okay. So you have... So, like, these are all within... Seconds. Yeah. Well, the first call coming was sh- with shots fired at a casino other than Mandalay Bay and the Route 91 Festival at about 11.31. This is 11.30. So within two minutes' time, you're getting all these calls from all these mm-hmm. sh- shots being fired at casinos further down the strip. Okay. Um, 11.33 p.m., a guest staying at Mandalay Bay on the 33rd floor reports hearing an explosion below the 33rd floor. Well, that would be the 32nd floor. Yeah. Okay. Potentially. Uh, 11.42 p.m., there's people with guns over there at the high roller. Now we're at uh, the link. Okay. There's a lot of people already killed in there. Don't recall hearing anybody dead at no. the link. No. So... That's interesting. Giant, giant cover up there. 
or that call is just bullshit. I don't know. Uh, 1143, caller to 911 operator. So there is this active shooting guy at the Mirage. Caller references a male shooter inside of the Mirage. Now we're at the Mirage. See? Link. Mm-hmm. Mirage. Yeah. 1143. A man staying at MGM Grand on the 38th floor in tower number 2, room 37716, reports hearing a lot of gunfire in the building within the past 2 to 3 minutes. 11.43 p.m. A man named Chris told 911 operator that he sees a man dressed in the black, in black on the lower roof of Mandalay Bay by a skylight. I don't know Interesting. If that's anything. 11.43 p.m. 911 caller reports that a lot of shots were fired in Caesar's Palace around 11.33. One woman even got shot, he explained. So he called 10 minutes later. Uh, 11.43 p.m. Caller to 911 operator. We're in the Bellagio. We can hear them shooting. So now... All this shooting's taking place 10, within, like, from 11.30 to 11.45. Right. All these people are calling, but yet, did you ever hear about any of that? No. On mainstream media. Why? 11.43 p.m., caller tells 911 operator, I'm in the Link Hotel, and there's an active shooter. He came in the front entrance, strip side. Once again, the Link, and we never heard anything about the Link. Yeah. Uh, 11.44 p.m., Caller to 911 operator. They are shooting at Flamingo. They are still shooting now. Now, Flamingo's right next to the link. Yeah. Like, right next to each other. Uh, the missing 911 calls. It appears that there are a number of missing 911 calls between the hours of 11.15 and 11.29, as the YouTube channel Mr. Burgundy points out in the following video. Um, we don't necessarily need to listen to that. Right. But, um, let's see. Oh, the, uh, the three chicks that were in the room with dude. Right? That was what I wanted you to yes. remind me of. Let me see if I can find that article real quick. Okay. And then we'll move on to a different topic. All right. Three women found in Stephen Paddock's hotel room on night of October 1st, report reviews. All right. Is that the one that was kicked out? Who? The reporter. Yeah. Laura Loomer? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This, this lady is hardcore on this shit. All right. So... Investigative reporter Laura Loomer released information on Saturday revealing that Metropolitan Police had linked three women to Stephen Paddock's 32nd floor Mandalay Bay suite as being checked in on the night of October 1st shooting. A police communication log confirms three females, names were redacted, may have been staying in Paddock's room on the night of the massacre. Via LauraLoomer.us, the most recent batch of documents that were released recount the events that took place that night and further reveal that Paddock was not alone in his room. The three women are then listed as number one, number two, and number three with their check-in and check-out dates, but their names are redacted from the log. Checked in on 9-25, scheduled to check out on October 2nd. Same as Stephen Paddock. Okay. Uh, thanks to Loomer's relentless reporting, we know that Mary Lou Danley was present at the Mandalay Bay on the night of the shooting and was presumably one of the three women 
who were reported to have been checked into the room. However, if this presumption remains true, who were the two additional women referred to in the police log? Could the remaining two women be an escort named Michaela and or her missing friend who was reported by Radar Online to have been with Paddock prior to the shooting? According to the report, the Sin City escort was reported missing by her boyfriend several days after the October 1st shooting that left 58 dead and 800 injured. A former sex worker who once dated Paddock and is now cooperating with the FBI told Radar in an exclusive interview. Quote, she was telling girls after work that she was scared something would happen to her. Uh, claimed former escort Michaela, whose full name is being withheld to protect her identity. She was booked the day before or the day off of the shooting before she was before she disappeared. Uh, there's messages where Stephen is telling her he's a government experiment and that they are listening to everything he says and does, and they can hack into his brain and take over. Michaela said, "Whoa, that's fucked up, right there, right? That's an interesting MK thing." MK Ultra, brother. Let me read that one more time for those of you that are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. quote, this is in the fucking report. Quote, there's messages where Stephen is telling her he's a government experiment and that they are listening to everything he says and does and they can hack into his brain and take over. Whoa. All right. Uh, with all the recent revelation that three women were present in Paddock's hotel room on the night of the massacre, raises another serious question. Whose vibrator was discovered to be tucked <laughs> away inside of a suspicious suitcase during an initial police search of Mandalay Bay rooms 32-134 and 32-135? Is that a real thing? I thought it was a joke. No, that's a real thing. Huh. So, dude had a... A uh, prostitute with him. That's always interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, you could probably take some uh, juice that was left on that vibrator and figure out who the fuck it was, oh, maybe yeah. by running a DNA test. Yeah. No, but it's an actual thing, I guess. I didn't know anything about that. Um, Las Vegas. Here, now we're going to get into the fucking vibrator piece because we just got to know, right? <laughs> um. LVMPD officer Joshua Bitsko's body camera captured a rather unusual conversation about what police found inside of a suitcase, which had wires hanging out of it after officers made entry into Stephen Paddock's 32nd floor Mandalay Bay hotel room on the night of the October 1st massacre. After a thorough search of the room, Officer Bitsko suggests that someone from the bomb squad looked inside a suitcase in which wires were visibly hanging out just to be safe, but found that the back had already been opened by a fellow officer. Quote, we need to get armor up here for those bags over there, Bitsko said, right, as he noticed the bag with the wires running into it had already into it had already opened. Quote, oh, you opened them, he asked. What's inside with the wires going in it? A woman's vibrator, replied a fellow officer who searched the bag. Uh, this is Briscoe. What the fuck? <laughs> is it really? Fellow officer, uh-huh. And they're... And the other one is just a power cord. Uh, the officer's comments beg the question, was Stephen Paddock's girlfriend Mary Lou Danley around and in Vegas at the time of the shooting, or did Paddock have another lover, i.e. hooker? Who care? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, I don't know, that whole uh, thing with the, uh, he's a government experiment, so the guy himself was a government experiment. 
and they're listening to everything he says and does, and they can hack, hack into his, his brain. brain whenever they want. So would that be like a MK Ultra? That's what I was saying. You know, like, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Um, hang on. Let's make sure. I think we're good up through here. Just for those that have been living under a rock, Trump met with uh, Kim Jong-un. I don't know if you knew that, Dave. Yeah, I knew that. Okay, I think everybody pretty much knows that. Really nothing to talk about there. Um, Oh. Let's see what this is. Sandy Hook? Yeah, I started reading it before you clicked on it. Did you? Uh, all right. United States Post Office in Newtown, Connecticut. What the fuck is going on with all this? I want you to log in. Okay, well, I'm not going to. I don't oh, have yeah. a fucking Facebook. Uh, it says, uh, I cannot thank you enough in having an employee that after four years of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting story is finally sharing the truth. All it took is for a patriotic postal employee who still loves their country to send me a picture copy of the change of address and the forwarding address for Sandy Hook Elementary School that used to be located at 12 Dickinson Drive, Sandy Hook, Connecticut. The forwarding address shows 375 Fanhill Road, Monroe, Connecticut, changed long before the supposed tragic shooting took place. Well, Dave, that's impossible. No, it's not. So what does that mean for our United States Post Office in Newtown, Connecticut? A government agency who failed to report the crime knowing that they no longer delivered the mail to 12 Dickinson Drive. In Sandy Hook, Connecticut, why did they not report the crime knowing that they're part of it? Hmm. All of the other postal workers... Oh, my... Jesus Christ. God. No, no. It really wants me to log in. Mm -hmm. doesn't want me to read an article that... uh, Especially this one. You can't have this because you're not our friend. Yeah, fuck off, Facebook. All the other postal workers who lacked the courage knowing that the mail was longer, no longer being delivered to the Sandy Hook Elementary School on 12 Dickinson Drive also knew that the shooting on December 14, 2012 could not have taken place, therefore lying to all the American, all to, lying to all of America and the world. I have a huge civil lawsuit filed against me by six parents of Sandy Hook who lost a child at that school on December 14, 2012. Why is your question mark there? Because how is it possible? Yeah, yeah. How is it possible when the United States Post Office in Newtown, Connecticut, no longer provides the mail to that 12 Dickinson address, but forwards it to 375 Fanhill Road in Monroe, Connecticut? Who allowed and authorized that to take place in the United States Post Office? Well, obviously that would be the Postmaster General, mm-hmm. what ultimately it would fall back on. All of the pieces of the puzzle are now falling. Why filing? Filling. It's filling. Filling. Filling in place. Okay, well, whatever, in place, because now business who used to deliver 12 decades and drive are now also coming forward with invoices, billing records, all mailed through the United States Post Office. I am so happy that we have the huge civil lawsuit filed in Connecticut because I can now, as a defendant, take the deposition of the postmaster in Newtown, Connecticut. Okay, so with that, um, there was another, one more thing with this whole Sandy Hook thing I wanted to get into, but I'm going to have to fucking... Search the... Uh, Surge it. Hang on. And, and this is just real-time, like, I think like today or yesterday they posted this. But it is... 
this one. I don't know if this is the right one. It's a video. I don't want to watch the video. I want to read the article. This one. So uh, this is how can you make fun of these parents and their kids that died? You're so insensitive. God. Well, well Dave, l- let me explain how I can make fun. That's well, I'm not even making fun. No, I know. But uh, we are told that on December 14, 2012, a lone gunman, Adam Lanza, went to the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, where in the space of 11 minutes, shot and killed 20 first graders and six adults. Mm-hmm. We are also told that after the massacre. Sandy Hook Elementary School relocated to an empty school in neighboring Monroe, Connecticut, Chalk Hill Middle School at 375 Fan Hill Road, until a new swanky uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School was rebuilt with the $50 million from the state of Connecticut as a result of the shooting massacre. Basically, they got $50 million for uh, participating in a false flag. Yes. It turns out that Sandy Hook Elementary School had moved to Chalk Hill months before the alleged massacre, which leads to this question. Since Sandy Hook Elementary School had moved to Monroe, who then were the students and teachers whom Lanza shot to death at Sandy Hook Elementary School on December 14, 2012? We'll wait for an answer. Oh, we don't have that kind of time. Oh, I say, yeah. uh, the evidence of Sandy Hook Elementary School's move to Chalk Hill comes from Wolfgang Halbig, which is mentioned uh, quite a bit by Jim Fetzer. Yeah. A humble, straight-talking 71-year-old man with an impressive professional record as a law enforcement officer an educator, and a nationally recognized school safety consultant who was an expert witness in the Columbine and other school shootings. Okay, on February 13, 2014, Halbeck became a public face of Sandy Hook skeptics when, in a radio interview with Dave Gahari of American Free Press, he called the school shooting a contrived event, i.e. fake, for publicly question, questioning the authenticity of uh, authentic, authenticity of the official Sandy Hook narrative, Halbig is targeted with harassment, physical threats, and civil lawsuits. Last year, Halbig was sued by Leonard Posner, the father of Sandy Hook victim, six-year-old Noah Posner. Curiously, at the very point in the lawsuit when Leonard was supposed to present a video deposition, he dropped the lawsuit. Now, why in the hell, yeah, Dave, would, exactly. would he do something like that? Because he has no case. You can't sue him if it's fake. Well, hang on. That may be because Leonard Posner doesn't actually exist. Now, hold on. Don't freak out, fucking liberals, because uh, we're going to explain this here. According to marriage and family therapist Mona Alexis, who maintains that Leonard Posner is the alias of a man named Reuben Vabner and that pics of the six-year-old Noah Posner are actually the younger pics of now-grown-up Michael Vabner. Now, if you'll remember... Yep. In the uh, Jim Fetzer stuff, he's got the Michael Vabner, Noah, Noah Posner yep. uh, Picture little to each other and then another what do you call it, thing? gif yeah. or whatever, how it turns into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. A search on two paid subscription people search engines, Spokio and Truthfinder, indicates that there is no Leonard Posner in Florida, Connecticut, or the entire United States of America. Nor is there a Leonard Posner or a Noah Posner among the family members of Leonard's ex-wife and mother of Noah, Veronique Patricia Posner, who is also known as Veronique Vabner. Interestingly, on September 11, 2012, three months before the Sandy Hooks uh, Elementary School massacre, 
Veronique had filed for bankruptcy. Hmm. The latest lawsuit against Halbeck is a civil lawsuit by six Sandy Hook families. A major contention of Sandy Hook skeptics is that Sandy Hook Elementary School had been closed for some time before the alleged massacre on December 14th. The skeptics point to the following evidence. One, years before the massacre, the school was reported to be in disrepair and contaminated with environmental toxins, including the deadly asbestos. asbestos. Yep, I mean, do that. Absence of legally required designated handicapped parking spaces and signage in the many aerial photographic and video images of the school's parking lot taken by news media on the day of the massacre. Yep. Uh, number three, testimony from the Internet Archive, Archive's Wayback Machine of the school's lack of Internet activity from the beginning of 2008 through all of 2012. Yeah, a school wouldn't not have internet. I mean, right. you know what I mean? It's, that's asinine. Uh, number four, refusal on the part of the State of Connecticut Freedom of Informa- Information Commission to provide Halbig with documents he'd requested invoking the Freedom of Information Act, Sandy Hook Elementary School maintenance orders, and emails from Sandy Hook Elementary School Principal Don Hawksprung to food services provider in the months immediately preceding the massacre. Remember this, it says. All right, so remember that... Uh, they didn't ask for food. Well, basically, the school was supposedly operating, but yet they won't give up all the invoices and stuff for, obviously, some food services delivering food to a school because you have to right. feed the fucking kids. Right. Okay, right. They're paying for it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five, photographic evidence of an abandoned school from the state of Connecticut's Department of Emergency Services and Public Protection of a dangerous exposed metal rod on an exterior staircase and classrooms and hallways jammed with furniture and office supplies in clear violation of the fire safety code. And actually has pictures. Remember we saw these? Yeah. That's not an a, an active working school. Sorry. No, there's no way they could walk. If it that. is, then a fucking hoarder is running that school. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot of shit wrong with this. Uh, all of which could explain why aerial footage of and police dash cam videos curiously show uh, no hundreds of students being evacuated from Sandy Hook Elementary School on the day of the massacre. Now, Helbig has received stunning evidence of Sandy Hook Elementary School's closure and the removal of its teachers and students to Chalk Hill School in Monroe, Connecticut, months before the massacre. The evidence consists of, one, an email exchange between Sandy Hook Elementary School's principal and school custodian on moving the school. Number two, an invoice from Dean Foods of a food delivery to Sandy Hook Elementary School at Chalk Hill Middle School in Monroe, Connecticut. Number three, a spreadsheet listing invoices of Dean Foods deliveries to Sandy Hook Elementary School in Monroe. Number four, an email from an employee of Dean Foods confirming that the food deliveries were sent to Sandy Hook Elementary School in Monroe. A USAC form indicating that services were provided Chalk Hill Middle School, although... That school hasn't been used by the Monroe School District since June 2011. Whoa. Kids screaming up there. Uh, email on moving Sandy Hook Elementary School. On July 19, 2012, Sandy Hook Elementary School Principal Don Hawksprung exchanged conspiratorial-toned, mom's the word, email with school custodian Kevin Anzalotti, bemoaning the moving of Sandy Hook Elementary School. Hawksprung, quote, How does this look? Not set in stone. I have to notify teachers after we meet next Thursday. Then we can get moving. Of course, they will need to come in and pack. This is going to be really hard. Anzalati, quote, I got it, and it is what it is. It's bad for us, but I would not want to be in your shoes as you're telling them, but all still have jobs. I guess that's a good thing. Mum's the word. 
And then they have a screenshot of this email. Why were they trying to be uh, mums the word? Because they knew about the fucking yeah. attack? Yeah. Uh, number two, food service invoice. Dean Foods is a national food and beverage company and the largest dairy company in the United States. Headquartered in Dallas, Texas, the company has 66 manufacturing facilities and dis- distributes to its pr- its products all across 50 states. Here is Dean Foods' website. Links to that. On April 26, 2012, eight months before the alleged massacre, Dean Foods prepared an invoice of an order from San Diego Elementary School for American-slash-Continental-style cuisine. Strangely, the food was to be sent not to San Diego Elementary's address at 12 Dickinson Drive, Sandy Hook, Connecticut, but to the address of Chalk Hill Middle School at 375 Fanhill Road, Monroe, Connecticut. Now, Dave, why in the fuck would you do that? <laughs> and why would you, if if... Sandy Hook at 12 Dickinson Drive is where they're going to school at. Why would you deliver all the food to a different school? And then uh, they, what do they do? They put it in a fucking minivan and then drive it yeah, over one it by one? saves on gas for Dean's. They deliver it in bulk to one, one uh, school. They have to separate it then between their school and the other school. And then the parents have to pick up the food at, at the other school to bring it to the other school for their kids. Well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, absolutely. Dave, you could work for CNN. <laughs> I do, actually. And Snopes. <laughs> I actually got fired from Snopes. I don't, I don't like cats. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Number three, Dean Food Spreadsheet. Below is a screenshot of the spreadsheet listing 15 invoices from September 1st, 2012 to December 15, 2012 for food deliveries to San Diego Elementary School at 375 Fanhill Road in Monroe. Well, I mean, that makes sense. You deliver food regularly mm-hmm. for, you know, like no. basically once a week. Now, the skeptics in the world can say, well, that's just a Excel sheet. I can make that myself. I can type whatever I want in there. True. But if you go, if you can access their records and go by the invoice numbers. And it connects to the same thing? Yeah. Well, so. considering we have a screenshot here of their actual yeah, I know. I'm just thing. Saying. Like, I mean, it's already there. Like, we don't even need I know. anything. I'm just saying, man. Yeah. Number four. Email from Dean Foods employee. Halberg received the invoice and spreadsheet from an employee of Dean Foods. I have verified the identity of this person on LinkedIn, but I'm not revealing this person's name to protect his, her life. Halbig fully intends to introduce this person's emails, the invoice, and spreadsheet as evidence should the malicious lawsuit against him go to trial. Below is the email from this person confirming that the food orders from San Diego Elementary School were all delivered to the Chalk Hill Middle School address in Monroe, Connecticut. I blacked out the sender's name. And you can see that email. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, USAC Forum 471. After reading the above, the alert reader might ask, if Sandy Hook Elementary School was moved to Chalk Hill Middle School, Moreau, what happened to Chalk Hill's own teachers and students? Here's the answer. Chalk Hill Middle School has been empty since June 2011. From a news report in CT Post on April 30, 2017, Chalk Hill Middle School opened in the, in the fall of 1969 to about 900 students. Now it sits forlorn and locked up with no apparent plan for its future. Ideas range from the wrecking ball to recasting it as a community center to using it as offices for various town agencies. It hasn't been used by the Monroe School District since the end of the 2010-2011 school year. Though officially empty since June 2011, Chalk Hill Middle School curiously applied for broadband and internet connectivity services from Universal Service Administrative Company, as indicated in a USAC application form 471 on March 13, 2012. All U.S. public schools and libraries are required by the FCC to use USAC form 471. 
There's a screenshot. Uh, 313. Chalk and Moose School. Applying for internet. Uh, mm-hmm. Fellowship of the Minds. Thanks, Mr. Wolfgang Halbig, for his permission to use the screenshots of the blah, 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 blah. Please keep me that when you're very also blah, blah. Um, And this is interesting. We won't read all these articles, but there's some things. Uh, Sandy Hook's dead school principal interviewed about massacre one day before the massacre. That's uh, kind of hard to do. That's interesting. Um, and then uh, Sandy Hook, Adam Lanza, Strange, December 13th, date of death. It just won't go away. It's also fascinating. So, yeah, that's the uh, update on Sandy Hook. Like I said, it's a false flag. There's nobody that fucking died in it. And if you believe that people did, you're a fucking moron. Yeah. And I wish you went to that school. Yeah. Um, now, one final thing before we get into the the one thing you want to do, Dave. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so, this is funny. On Father's Day, Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, tweets out, On this Father's Day, I'm thinking of the thousands of children separated from their parents at the border. These children should not be a negotiating tool, and reuniting them with their families would reaffirm America's belief in and support for all parents who love their children. Oh, just, just so despicable. So fucking good. Now, let me. uh, I don't know. I don't know if we ever talked about this. I think we might have. But uh, this guy named Danny Williams. uh, He claims to be the son of the 42nd president of the United States, Bill Clinton. Have you heard anything about this? I think we've mentioned him once. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go back here. And uh, I love this shit. It's so funny to me. Okay. Uh, which one did I want to start with? Okay. So, Danny Williams tweets out on... Uh, what would be June 18th. Here's a photo of Chelsea Clinton and Caroline Hubble, another Webb Hubble daughter. Could they be half-sisters? Yeah, they look it. I mean, let's just break it down. So, people at home, you can either go to Danny Williams' Twitter or just Google Caroline Hubble. Okay, this is Webb Hubble. This is the uh, attorney that was working with mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton at mm-hmm. that, whatever. Okay, so if you look up Caroline Hubble... And Chelsea Clinton. We're looking at a side-by-side. Now, their their hair kind of falls the same. Chelsea's a little bit longer, but they, you know, the hair's kind of the same. The hair line's about the same. The uh, eyebrows are different. Nose, different. Eyes, different. Mouth, eh. Different. Head shape, though. The head shape is... Head shape and the cheeks. Identical, yeah. The cheeks are almost identical. Yeah. So Chelsea's a little more pronounced, but I think because she's wearing more makeup. Yeah. So so you could you could argue no, they're not they're not related. Okay. Now let's uh, now let's scroll up to this one. Now go ahead and Google if you're playing along at home. Rebecca Hubble and Chelsea Clinton. Let's go ahead and look at this one. That looks like the same person, dude. Uh, yeah. The 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 eyebrows, the eyes, the nose, the lips, the teeth. The chin, the fucking hair. Yeah. Everything is goddamn, they, they, you wouldn't, I mean, I would say, I would question, if you put these two people next to each other, I would say, yeah, they're fucking twins. Yeah. I mean, 
they look like sisters. Yes, now, yeah. what are the odds, Dave? Bill Clinton fucks Hillary. They have a daughter that looks just like Webb Hubble's kids. Sorry. Bill Clinton's not Chelsea's dad. Yeah. Sorry. Now, what does all this have to do with Danny Williams? Well, uh, let's just uh, let's just read another tweet from Danny Williams. He 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 tweets it at Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton can have the compassion and decency to be outraged about the immigrant children being separated from their families, but she's not outraged at the fact that she took a hand in separating me from my father. Just another political play. Smart. Now, um, hang on. Then Danny Williams tweets at Bill Clinton, How can Bill Clinton have the compassion to care so much about the immigrant children being separated from their families but lack the compassion to care for his own son he abandoned? And then there's side-by-side pictures of Bill Clinton when he's younger. Danny Williams. Danny Williams, Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah. you could see some similarities. Oh, uh, yeah, Danny Williams, sure. half black, so Bill Clinton fucked a black lady. Well, uh, all, don't all presidents fuck slaves? <laughs> oh, is that too soon? Well, I'm not too soon for me. <laughs> Maybe some listeners. Um, Sorry, I'm just, you know, throwing out some net, bad joke out there. I, I like this one here. Somebody tweeting at, uh, well, tweeting at Mr. Pre- uh, so they're tweeting at Donald Trump in the White House. Mr. President, can you use your presidential power to get Bill Clinton to do a DNA test for his for this kid, Danny Williams, because I'm curious about the result. So does everyone else. I'm willing to pay for the test, including a 20000 donation to, on your next campaign. Thank you, Mr. President. Nice. Um, and then Danny Williams also opposed to this. The same man that is sympathetic to the immigrant children that he mentioned to be used as a negotiating tool is indeed the same man that sacrificed me, his own son, as a political pawn and willingly separated his existence from me when he became president. Now, keep in mind, when we mentioned this kid before mm-hmm. and all this, we were talking about the uh, the child support payments Bill Clinton had been making for several years. You yeah. remember that? Yep. That's when we, were, we mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. So now tell me, why in the fuck would Bill Clinton be making payments to this random black woman and her kid for all these years for no reason? I mean, Dave, if you had yeah. a kid, it, it just doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. Why would, you, why would you pay some random bitch to raise her kid, but yeah, that wasn't your kid? I wouldn't. Nobody would. I'm not saying there aren't, you know, really generous people out there, but what is he, a fucking philanthropist? This is a, you know, that's it, nonsense. And money wasn't coming from the Clinton Foundation. Right. Um, I don't know. That's interesting, though. Yeah. I forgot about him until you brought him back up. Well, I just, I saw this shit. Uh, and then, okay, so then another tweet that he put out, and then we'll move on. Uh, he goes, I am, uh, this is Danny Williams, I am well aware of the claim that Webster Lee Hubble is Chelsea Clinton's biological father. If the claim is true, Bill Clinton has to be less than a man to accept another man's child and raise her as his own while simultaneously abandoning his own flesh and blood. Yeah, I mean, Webb Hubble looks just like Chelsea. Yeah. Danny Williams looks like a mixed Bill Clinton. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because everybody said, Bill Clinton, our first black president. Well, yeah, he's kind of black son. Yeah. Hey, you know, he was, really. Yeah, he's yeah. more black than Obama. Yeah, Barry's not. I don't know. I think it's all so goddamn funny. Um, Bill Clinton's such a piece of shit. But yeah. I get it. It's all for politics. And uh, I won't even acknowledge his own fucking kid. Hey, Bill, this is all I'm going to say about this. If you want this shit to stop, if you want this kid to go away, do a fucking DNA test. You guys rig everything else. I'm sure you could fucking rig this, yeah, no too. no shit. No shit. Why not just end it? But you won't. It's like it's like they're too goddamn stupid to even fix the shit that they, mm-hmm. like. So all this shit that they've done with, uh, you know, you think you can get anything done, right? So why not put all these people that supposedly died at Sandy Hook, why not create the fake fucking records for them? Yeah. Make the death support, I mean, just, death certificates. Look at the FBI. Instead, thing, then we just don't put know? them on there. You wouldn't not do that. Yeah. But inst- so, so then you want it to go away. So create the fake shit. But you're you're so fucking lazy. Yeah. You can't even do that. I'm not saying Bill Clinton's behind uh, this because people are just stupid and they're not going to look. They don't want anybody to look in anything. They don't want anybody to remember anything. Yep. It, it's oh, it's so fucking frustrating. And how people can be so goddamn stupid. That's my problem, dude. Man, it's frustrating. So, I think that was, uh, those are the main things I wanted to hit on, and then, oh wait, one more, insane thing, then we're getting into your thing, I promise. So, uh, we got this election coming up, the midterm elections. Yep. Here's, uh, if if you live in Virginia, listeners, we have lots of you in Virginia listening. Yeah, we do. Congressional candidate in Virginia admits he's a pedophile. All right, he's just wide open with it, all right? His name is Nathan Larson. He's 37. He also ran online forums for pedophiles and misogynists. He bragged in posts about raping his late ex-wife who committed suicide. His three-year-old daughter lives with relatives. He doesn't even have his own fucking kids because he's a fucking admitted pedophile. Right. Um, well, that's one way to, to get, her, get out ahead of it, just fucking admit it right away. Yep, this is me. I'm a pedophile. I, ra- I raped my ex-wife. She killed herself. Vote for me. Yeah. Well, like, it's insane that... They can't fucking go after him. They can't throw shit at him because he's already fucking got it out there. Why would you be putting this shit in public? Why would you run? Okay. Hang on. Continues. He has since remarried. I would like to meet that bitch because she's real fucking insane. Yeah. Um, according to Larson's campaign manifesto, his platform as a quasi-neo-reactionary libertarian candidate includes protecting benevolent white supremacy, as well as legalizing incestuous marriage and child pornography. Pornography, sorry. Hang on. Whoa. (laughs) He wants to legalize incestuous marriage. And child pornography, dude. Dude, it's hard to even read because it seems like it's fake. Dude, that's that's ludicrous right there. (laughs) I would love to see that attorney have to represent this fucking guy. Uh, I think we're crossing podcasts. I know. Sorry, dude. I had to. In a weird way. That, wow. That's just. So if you're in Virginia and you want to, I don't know, marry your fucking sister or mom or dad or whatever the fuck you want to do and uh, be totally cool with having uh, four year old nudies. Vote for that I guy. I guess vote for this piece of shit, because how has this guy not been murdered? 
or arrested, put in prison, whatever. How the fuck is he even wow. able to run? It's insane, Dave. It really is. Are we this fucking crazy? Why is that, he not arrested if he's open admitted it? I don't. Dude, I don't understand what the fuck's going on. I don't get it. All right. Wow. We're going to change gears completely now from pedophiles to Nikola Tesla. The secret's hidden in the pyramids of evil. You want to set this up real quick and then we'll play the video? Yeah, a friend of mine uh, posted on her Facebook page a couple, I don't know, a week ago or so, something about pyramids and, and that there's more information that we're aware and we're no, don't uh, don't believe the hype. And she'd, she'd share more information with everyone, but she's fearful of her life. So I reached out and said, what the fuck are you talking about? And she sent me this video and I haven't watched it yet. Okay. That's the setup. That's the setup, and here's the video. I hope there's no ad, just in case. Probably a fucking oh, campaign yeah. ad for that guy. Of course there's an ad. Oh, it's going to be a, oh, oh, I was going to say, it's going to be a long one. All right, here we go. I like it. The Secrets Hidden in the Pyramids of Egypt, Part 1. The idea that civilizations progress from a primitive state to a more advanced one is a fallacy that evolutionists try to apply to history. If one abandons evolutionist nonsense and prejudice and looks at the historical references and findings with an unbiased mind, what one encounters is civilizations that used highly advanced technologies. Remains left from ancient Egypt, the Mayans and the Sumerians indicate the branches of science such as electricity, Electrochemistry, electromagnetics, metallurgy, hydrogeology, medicine, chemistry, and physics were used to a considerable extent. Electricity was efficiently generated and widely utilized in ancient Egypt. The Baghdad battery and the first arc lights were used at that time. But was electrical generation limited to these in ancient Egypt? A careful examination of Egyptian history immediately reveals the sophistication in perfect illumination. No suit has been found in the quarters of the pyramids or the tombs of the kings because these areas were lit using electricity. Relief carvings show that the Egyptians used handheld torches powered by cable-free power sources. The arc lamp used in the lighthouse of Alexandria is further proof that electricity was used in ancient Egypt. The energy required to power the lighthouse of Alexandria for 24 hours a day could only have been supplied by a regular electrical source. The pyramids of Egypt were giant power plants generating electricity. 1. The outer casing of the Great Pyramid was covered with white tufa limestone so tightly built that not even a razor blade could fit between the blocks. The white tufa limestone does not contain magnesium and has high insulating properties. This insulation property prevented the electricity inside the pyramid from being released without control. 2. The stone blocks used inside the pyramid were made of another form of limestone containing crystal and a small amount of metal which allow for maximum power transmission. The shafts inside the pyramid were lined with granite. Granite is a conductor, is a slightly radioactive substance, and permits the ionization of the air inside these shafts. When we look at an insulated electric cable, we see that conductive and insulation materials are used in the same way as in the pyramids. 3. 
The conductive and insulating properties of the pyramid are an example of flawless engineering. However, a source of energy is needed for electricity generation. The Giza Plateau where the pyramids stand is full of underground water channels. The pyramids rise above the limestone layers, the spaces between them being full of water. These special layers of rock that transmit electricity upward as they carry underground water to the surface are known as aquifers. The high volume flow of the River Nile that passes through these aquifers produces an electric current. This is known as physioelectricity. The pyramids' underground chambers are granite conductors built within the rock charged with physioelectricity. This electric current is conducted directly to the upper part of the pyramid's granite, covered subterranean chambers. Granite is a very good conductor of electricity. The electromagnetic field that forms at the bottom of the pyramid is transmitted in concentrated form to the upper layers of the pyramid. On the top of the pyramid, there was a gold capstone, gold being an excellent conductor of electricity. This section is no longer there in our day. This means the top of the pyramid has lost its structure of flawless geometry. This gold capstone facilitated a conductive path for the transfer of negative ions to the ionosphere. This way, a current was generated. How does it serve to move the electromagnetic field on the ground through the help of an aquifer? An identical form of this technology, employed in Egypt 5,000 years ago, was used by Nikola Tesla, an inventor of electric technology in the early 1900s in a tower he constructed in the United States of America. Tesla, the inventor of such fundamental electric technology as the alternating currents, electric engine, radio, the laser, and radar, was successful in simultaneously transmitting sound and pictures between continents in the Wardenclyffe Tower he built between 1901 and 1917. He used an external source of electricity for this, and even applied wireless power transmission technology. Tesla had also built his tower above an aquifer and discharged the negative ions from the aquifer to the tower. The electromagnetic technology used in Tesla's famous tower is identical to the electromagnetic field set up in the construction of the pyramids. Both systems generate negative ions and transmit them without the need for electric cables. So for what purpose did the Egyptians use electricity? Relief carvings clearly show that the Egyptians used handheld bulb-type lamps powered by a cable-free electric source. These bulbs are reminiscent of Nikola Tesla's descriptions to show that his alternating current was safe. At the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, Tesla transmitted alternating electric current through his body to light a bulb he held in his hand without using electric cables. This relief carving shows a wireless antenna. The Egyptians used the antenna and cable-free energy for wireless communication. And the relief on the left is a carved transmitter with the receiver on the left. This evidence indicates that the Egyptians used free wireless energy for communication purposes. This relief carving shows a yarn manufacturing facility. The yarn Egyptians used for their fabrics at that time were as fine as those manufactured by machinery today.
The Egyptians also used electric power in their weaving plants. It was seen that many gold objects which have remained from ancient Egypt were in fact very finely gold-plated. Such perfect gold plating as in these pieces requires the use of electricity. The total electromagnetic measurement made around the Great Pyramid is identical to that made during a thunderstorm with lightning. There's a powerful electromagnetic field around the Great Pyramid. This may be observed through a simple experiment when standing at the top of the pyramid with a bottle wrapped in a damp cloth. Sparks fly away from the bottle as if one were on top of a high-voltage bobbin. The pyramids were not used as tombs. The pyramids have always been interpreted as the tombs of the pharaohs, but in fact no inscriptions of any kind appear in the corridors of the Great Pyramid. This suggests a functional building rather than a mausoleum. An empty stone chest was found on the central axes of the pyramid that archaeologists call the King's Chamber. They claimed that this contained the coffin of the pharaoh, but that, since this had been stolen, it was now empty. But the examination of the dimensions of the stone chest and the special location in which it was installed reveals a different state of affairs. That point is just where the missing part of the pyramid's conductive structure and whole design suggest it should be. If a superconductive material was installed here, the pyramid could manufacture enough electricity for all of Egypt. This superconductor is thought to have been the Ark of the Covenant, which was known to have been in Egypt in ancient times, and whose dimensions are just right to fit inside the stone chest. The prophet Moses, peace be upon him, was adopted by Pharaoh, and according to historic records, was raised as an administrator because of his superior moral values, intelligence, and abilities. One of the phases in leadership training in ancient Egypt was the teaching of all the secrets of Egypt and the knowledge of energy. In addition to its other properties, there are also various references to the Ark of the Covenant serving as a capacitor and that this was the source of Egypt's energy. The Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, is known to have taken the Ark of the Covenant with him when he fled Egypt. According to historic references, one of the reasons why Pharaoh chased the Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, right up to the last moment, and strove to catch him at whatever price, was the Ark of the Covenant, because Pharaoh was aware that all the glory and magnificence of Egypt would be lost without electricity. Historic references also show that Egyptian civilization reached its peak during the reign of Ramses II, who lived at the same time as the Prophet Moses, peace be upon him. But those civilizations collapsed in less than 10 years, after Ramses II, and Giza was even abandoned. The city, once the center of civilization, remained deserted until the next dynasty settled there. Were the Egyptians the only society to utilize wireless electrical technology? The relief carvings left by the Mayan and Assyrians also contain images of similar techniques to those implied in the pyramids. All this information once again goes to demonstrate that there were no primitive people and societies in the past, as evolutionists would have us believe. In terms of civilization, more or less developed communities have lived side by side at all times throughout history. A society that existed thousands of years ago 
enjoy a far more advanced technology compared to one living in the 20th century. And this shows us that development is not part of an evolutionary process. In other words, that there is no linear advancement from a primitive level of civilization to a more developed one in history. Well, what do you think about that, Dave? Dude, that blew my mind. Yeah, it's pretty it crazy. Make, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. You know? It's weird. Um, I guess I didn't realize the Ark of the Covenant was a real thing. Really? Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, I guess if, if you don't if you don't buy the Bible, then... well, no, because the only thing I've ever heard of it from was from Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, so that's your only yeah knowledge. Of yeah, because I don't I don't ever read it from Bible school or anything. Like yeah, that. that's in there. Huh. <clears throat> that's now, it's interesting that it would fit right in that. Thing. Yeah, but no, if you have it in one, wouldn't you need it in all three? Because there were three in the pyramids of Giza. Yeah, but just because they haven't told you that. Doesn't mean it wasn't. I mean, they told you they were these giant fucking things were tombs. Yeah, no, no. I'm saying like, so they only had one ark, so only one ark went in the big one. What about the other two? Do they not need one then? I don't know. See, I don't, I don't understand electricity and how that all works. Like they kind of explained it. Right. It's so fucking foreign to me. Like it made perfect sense to me though. <laughs> well, I mean, it made sense how he was explaining it, but I couldn't re-explain it to you. Right. Like I, I get okay. So. It's just weird, like uh, electronics. So it's kind of like I was a, in school was my worst. Subject. So they really kind of like make the pyramids like a dam. You know how you can generate the water from or the electricity from the, the from the dam. That's kind of what they did mm-hmm. in this in this version of the pyramids. Yeah, it's interesting. You ever heard it before? This theory? Yeah. No. No, I didn't think this so. is all like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I want to watch more now, but we don't have time. But. Like this one, the secret behind the three six nine Tesla code. Yeah, it's finally revealed. Be curious to watch. Maybe we need to do a whole fucking episode on Tesla? the connection between Tesla and the pyramids, or just Tesla in general. Yeah, um, because I think we just opened up a whole new yeah whole new thing. So maybe you. that'll be like either the next or one of the next episodes we do. We'll just focus on Tesla. Okay. And, not the band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the band. Maybe we'll use some Tesla music, but there you uh, go. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's it's plausible. It's very plausible, man. You know? It's definitely a what if. Now this this chick that sent this shit to you thinks she's gonna die. She's gone MIA? I'm yeah, I haven't talked bit. to her since then, dude. It's, it's, kinda, it's kinda weird, like did she disappear? I don't know. Or uh, I don't. Just, I didn't like, look to see if she posted other things. Could have got busy, and uh, you know. But uh, what we're trying to work on, maybe get an interview with her. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, maybe even make that uh, part of the Tesla episode if we can get her. Yeah, she I'll work on it. Uh, I think it's. I think this is definitely a topic to uh, to dig into deeper. Um, but I think this is a nice little teaser like you know what i mean yeah it's a good i like it good setup for a future future ep if you know what i mean i do so yeah uh covered a lot of stuff today and uh i don't know we'll see what happens all craziness yeah hey dave thanks for being here hey thanks for having me dude
Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search D2R Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the D2R Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Hey, fellas. Does your beard itch? Does your beard not grow in all the way? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got great beard oils with sensual love. We also include the emotional healing properties and the aromatherapy information with each scent. Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today and give someone the bird. The D2R Podcast Network Hotline, USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. If you call and we're recording, we'll take your call live on the air. If you call and we're not recording, leave a voicemail with your name, the show you're calling for, and we'll play it live on the next show. The hotline is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Once again, the D2R Podcast Network Hotline, USA Chat 311, that's 872-242-8311. Call today!